This is the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology, covering industry analysis, data, and market forecasting for quantum technology markets worldwide. Now, here's your host, Christopher Bishop. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Quantum Tech Pod. I'm delighted you're listening. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're sitting on the planet. My guest today is Yonatan Cohen. He's the CTO of Quantum Machines. Dr. Cohen is a quantum physicist and entrepreneur and the co-founder and CTO of Quantum Machines. Yonatan is also the co-founder and ex-managing director of the Entrepreneurship Program at the Weizmann Institute in Tel Aviv. He received his BSc in physics and math from the University of Washington and completed his MSc and PhD at Professor Mati Heiblum's lab at the Weizmann Institute. He founded Quantum Machines in 2018 and currently has around 140 employees. And in his spare time, he also surfs. His company, Quantum Machines, has created the Quantum Orchestration Platform, QOP, designed to deliver the most advanced quantum capabilities to quantum system developers. QOP makes it possible to run even the most advanced experiments and algorithms right out of the box. So welcome, Yonatan, and thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I always like to start the podcast by asking my guests to share a bit about their own personal quantum journey. My objective is twofold, to give our audience a sense of what you did before you founded Quantum Machines, but also to orient them more broadly to the fact that there are many ways and various paths that people have taken to get into the field of quantum information science. So please share with our listeners a bit about your own background and your path so far, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, and what you studied, uh, insight into the companies or organizations where you worked or did research. All right. So, um, yeah, I grew up in Israel. I... um actually was fascinated about physics uh, from a very young age. But what, what really brought me into quantum was um, that I came to the University of Washington um, in Seattle. Actually, I, 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 uh, I, I came to the University of Washington because I was, uh, I was an athlete, I was a swimmer, and I got a scholarship, which wow. is, uh, yeah, I got an athletic scholarship to, to swim for the University of Washington. Great. And I got really lucky because, you know, they say it's all about the teachers. And I, uh, I took one class, one course at college, uh, which had this amazing professor. His name is Boris Blinov. He's still a professor at the University of Washington today. And he was just this amazing teacher that makes you, you know, super excited about the, the subject that he's teaching. I was fascinated about quantum. So I, I took this class, Quantum Computing 101. Uh, that kind of got me hooked on quantum computing, even more than physics and, and quantum quantum mechanics. I, I felt that this was the right way to teach quantum mechanics, not just quantum computing. Um, and that's that. So that was, and even back then, I was kind of like, eh, maybe one day I should start a company in quantum computing because maybe one day we will have quantum computers. And then many years passed. I, I um, uh, came back to Israel. I did my uh, master's and PhD at the Weizmann Institute. And um, I kind of already forgotten about my uh, passion for quantum computing. <laughs> um, and I did quantum science. I, I did, you know, I, I, I worked in a research group that did um, uh, basically uh, looked into quantum devices and how they behave and how they can maybe form one day uh, a quantum hardware. Uh, at the same time, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Uh, so... Me and my uh, partner, uh, Itamar Sivan, who's now the CEO of, the, of Quantum Machines, 
we started, uh, um, we founded the entrepreneurship program of the Weizmann Institute. Uh, this is kind of like an entrepreneurship program for PhD students for, for, for sciences, which is kind of an interesting thing because it's, it's people coming from, you know, deep sciences and, you know, thinking, okay, how, what can I do with this? How can I start my, my own company with this kind of deep, deep um, science background? Yeah. Um, and this was super interesting ex- experience. And moreover, it gave us kind of the, uh, the introduction to the Israeli entrepreneurship scene or the startup ecosystem in Israel, which is very, very um, developed. Yeah. And um, when we graduated, we did one plus one. The only real thing we knew was uh, quantum stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and we wanted to, to start our own company, so uh, we started Quantum. So it was, and so what we did is we we called a guy that even knows quantum computing better than us, which is our third founder, Nisim Ofek. He was already back then after his postdoc, uh, which he did at Yale, at Yale University, in one of the uh, world leading uh, academic groups in quantum computing. And uh, during his postdoc at Yale, he also uh, performed an experiment which is one of the milestones of the field, actually, huh. which was the first demonstration of um, the first demonstration of what's called quantum error correction on superconducting qubits. This is very important because one of the, the, the main problem we have today with quantum computers is the, uh, the noise or the errors that we yeah. have in them. And uh, Nissim was the first to be able to show that by doing active correction, what's called quantum error correction, you can lower the error rate uh, of a, of a qubit. Yeah. So what a great program at Weitzman that you, and then as, as we say, right, you, the proverbial eating your own dog food. So then you left and started this company. I always like to ask founders, like, you know, was there a compelling event or a defining conversation or an aha moment where obviously you had uh, interest in background in quantum, but like to, you know, to go from academia to the private sector, right, or to industry and start a like a real company is a is a big leap. So what was the motivating factor? Well, you know, I think Itamar and I, after doing the entrepreneurship program, we got, we say it's like a germ, you know, once you start doing this kind of entrepreneurship stuff, you, 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 you really get almost addicted to it. Like you need the <laughs> action, you need to do this kind of uh, yeah. move things around, you know? Yeah. Um, and so we realized that we want to actually we didn't start right away from quantum computing we were like okay we we're going to start a company we had um, several ideas in completely other fields so the first aha moment was just simply yes we're going to start a company the second aha moment was when we uh realized that quantum is happening this actually interestingly came from the investors Hmm. we saw, we identified that you know, back then it was five years ago. In Israel, there were no investments in, in quantum computing startups yet. And even in the U.S., there, was, there were, of course, uh, investments in quantum computing, but there were not that many and not uh, very large sums. And back then, right. I think Getty was just raising their $50 million round. And, and I, we had some conversations with some friends who are uh, some investors' friends, and we realized that people get more and more interested in it. So we were like, okay, aha, uh-huh. um, quantum is actually, because, you know, physicists in academia, they can also be very cynical about quantum computing. <laughs> so uh, it's not trivial to, to start a company coming from a quantum a quantum um, research group. But back then, at least, now now it's much more yeah. common. 
but then when we saw that there's interest and we 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 realized we we can do something here and finally when we called nisim and we um and we went back to what he did at yale and we 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 actually identified that there is a an unmet need in the, the what's called the control system of the quantum computer yeah um we um, we, we we identified that there is this, a real unmet need right now not in 10 years not when the field matures but right now already and we can build something we know how to build it and it, it we can sell it that was the third kind of aha moment and we okay so now we also know what to do so <laughs> yeah so that's great what a great story so let's talk about your portfolio so your quantum orchestration platform provides and i'm quoting all-in-one quantum control and readout with real-time processing and analog feedback on a quantum coherence time scale. So tell our listeners how the platform works. Yes. Yeah, so as I said, this is the, uh, the control uh, system of a quantum computer. This is the part of the quantum computer that's not quantum. That's the part that's actually classical. Um, but it's a very important part because that's what orchestrates the entire quantum algorithm um, so you have a quantum processor, a quantum hardware, but in order to, to make it do what you want it to do, to drive the operations, the mathematical operations, you need to send a sequence of high-frequency signals to the quantum processor, and these signals are being uh, or generated and orchestrated from a classical system, which is what we call the quantum orchestration platform. At the heart of the platform, we have what we call the pulse processor, which is a, a new processor, um, that we another quantum processor, a classical processor, yeah. uh, but a new type of processor that we uh, invented that um, basically calculates all these signals that it needs to send to the quantum processor in real time, very very fast, and also can measure the quantum processor very fast and respond to it with new operations uh, based on the on the measurements, what we call feedback. So we measure the quantum processor, we do some processing in the pulse processor, and then we respond with new operations sent from the pulse processor to the quantum processor. And this is this is the heart of the platform. This processor sits in, a, in an entire system, very complicated system, uh, because the signals that get sent to the quantum processor are actually radio frequency signals at high frequencies, so the pulse processor is embedded in a system that has a lot of um, uh, digital to analog converters and, and uh, synchronization of different uh, analog channels and so on and so forth. Um, and on top of this whole system, hardware system, there is our software, which is um, basically uh, a programming language that we developed, uh -huh. which, yeah. which, which we call QA. I yep. want to talk about that in a moment, for sure. I, I read your offering enables a range of quantum technologies, certainly from pure research, but also quantum computing, quantum sensing, quantum networks, sort of the you know may, three of the main areas where quantum technologies are getting focused. How does your platform deliver value to each of these sort of different quantum uh, applications? In all of these applications, you have the quantum hardware, and again, to do what to do the operations on this quantum hardware, um, you need to send these high frequency signals. Yeah, and so you always need this control system that generates this this uh, this this uh, radio frequency signals, and uh, our system is very versatile because of this language, because of Qua, we, the user can program a huge, a very large uh, variety of, of sequences of these control signals and measurement signals. 
And so you can operate almost any quantum hardware. This includes both different quantum processors for quantum computing, but also different quantum devices for quantum sensing, quantum yeah. networking, etc. So again, one aspect of your portfolio, I'm not talking about quad for sure, but one aspect that struck me is, as you say, your ability to apply your solution across you know multiple disparate qubit modalities, quantum dot spin right. qubits, NV and other defect centers, superconducting and neutral atoms. Um, so to enable this, as you mentioned, you developed this new quantum programming language, QA. Now, some might say, do we really need another quantum programming language? But as you noted, this language allows quantum researchers to run any experiment on any type of qubit. And I read that it's using a direct line of communication from your FPGA-based pulse processor. Tell our listeners about QA and how this works. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's a bit different than most of the like program, quantum programming language that you see kind of out there in the sense that it's 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 a it's um it's a bit more low level yes so it's lower in the stack and it's really is kind of the the most low level language that you use to tell the the hardware the control hardware what to do typically above that in the stack you have more compilers and 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 you the you know end users of quantum computers would want to use something even simpler but the people who develop quantum computers the people who need to calibrate those quantum computers and really play with the pulse shapes and with the the timing of the operations and with with very kind of uh, you can think about it as low level stuff but this is what the all the quantum computing developers and other quantum technologies um, uh, development teams uh, have to deal with. Uh, this is what this is what they need to program with, and this is Qua. And it whatever you write in Qua runs directly on the pulse processor, so it's not generating uh, you know huge amounts of data that then needs to be loaded to the hardware or something. It's sort of like you load this program to the pulse processor, and then the pulse processor just generates all the signals on the fly. So it's very powerful in the sense that it can save a lot of communication overhead and um, mm. certain certain routines that people run on quantum computers uh, with more traditional control hardware are can, can be accelerated by orders of magnitude um, sometimes you know by thousand or even more uh, factor of thousand so think about it you, you sit there you're waiting to calibrate your quantum computer for um, a day and now, now you just wait a couple of minutes. So it's, yeah. it can be as dramatic as this because we write everything in Quan. It's running on the past processor in real time. Oh, fantastic. Um, let's talk about partnerships. So I read that in uh, 2022, Quantum Machines collaborated with the French quantum computing company, Alice and Bob, to help them in their development of fault-tolerant quantum computers, maybe based on the work Nissan was doing at Yale. Um, and your OPX platform dramatically accelerated quantum performance by orders of magnitude. Um, tell me more about this collaboration and maybe how Alice and Bob uh, have been using your solution. This collaboration has been magnificent. I mean, first of all, Alice and Bob, they, they have a very ambitious goal to create error-corrected qubits uh, and to build a fault-tolerant quantum computer, as you mentioned, uh, which is really the holy grail because we know that to really um, realize the full potential of quantum computers, we have to build fault-tolerant quantum computers. And not only that, they use a specific uh, kind of hardware, quantum hardware, that is maybe harder to build initially or to, to control, but, but if you manage to, to get control of, of, over it, 
then it reduces the amount of overhead that you need for quantum error correction dramatically. Right. And um, these are their cat qubits, right? Is that what? Yes, is? exactly. These are the cat qubits, um, and the cat qubits that they build are. Uh, so far working quite uh, well according to the, the roadmap. And uh, I'm very excited about this because I think that, you know, if, if they manage to succeed, then we could build full-term quantum computers and maybe we can do it um, in an easier way than with other types of, of, of qubits. Um, and we, of course, like we do with all our partners, we are customers, we, we are providing their control systems and... Um, for us, this is the holy grail to work with companies like Alice and Bob to and to to allow them to basically focus on the physics, focus on those cat qubits, and how to uh, to make them better and how to perform quantum error corrections on them at the end, uh, without having to um, worry about all these little details of how you synchronize FPGAs and digital to analog uh, uh, converters and how you load the program from the software to the FPGA and so on and so forth, and how you compile this nice qua language to the language of the, 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 the machine and, and all these kind of very technical details that engineers uh, know better than, than physicists and, uh, and, and allow them to, to accelerate the roadmap. That's, yeah. that's our role. No, that's good. Thank you for sharing that insight. That's, that's great. Uh, let's talk about acquisitions. Um, in March last year, your company acquired QDevil, which is a Danish company that specializes in building control hardware for quantum systems. So can you tell our listeners how the acquisition of QDevil has expanded your company's go-to-market capabilities and more specifically, maybe how their QDAC solution integrates with your OPX platform? So first of all, I think the most important thing uh, to start from is that, you know, when you go to uh, acquire a company, um, there's all kinds of, of, of delicate things you, you have to think about. And the most important thing, uh, I think, is, the, is, of course, the culture of the company because, you know, you're going to integrate um, a large group of people. And, you know, companies, especially startups, they develop organically. They have their own DNA, their own way of doing things. And so what we found with QDevil, uh, which was amazing uh, for us, was that, you know, the... The strong connection, the kind of the, the very similar DNA, the, the founders of the company are also physicists coming from academia and um, coming really from the, the physics, from the experimental physics side of things and, uh, and wanting to create tools for their fellow physicists developing quantum computers. So um, it's very similar in that sense. Um, it's kind of a company made by physicists for physicists i don't know how you know yeah i'm trying to invent the slogan uh, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, this we felt that this is this is kind of the um the uh the, the 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 strong connection and other than that yes we are kind of sitting very uh, in very similar places in the stack specifically the qdac is uh, is uh the i think the world leading uh, dc source both in terms of the specs the analog specifications but also in terms of the the uh, the, chain, the the number of channels that one can support and scale up and the roadmap that we have with it so I think the, and and it integrates very well with the OPX we see we actually before the acquisition we used to go to labs and see our our to our customers lab we would see the QDAC and the OPX kind of sitting together in the same rack so it was very natural now to 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 integrate the QDAC to the family of products that that we sell at Quantum Machines. 
and besides just having those in the same rack, there is um, all kinds of um, very uh, cool integrations that we can do to allow customers to work much more seamlessly with these two products. They did it already before, so they already integrated these two products before themselves. Now we can offer it out of the box. Oh, great. I just have to reinforce your comment, which I thought was brilliant about, you know, culture is the key, right? So restating the Peter Drucker quote, right? Culture eats strategy for breakfast. That's uh, funny. So yes. It's, it's great that the, the two company cultures merged in a, in a smooth way. I want to talk about these um, memorandums of understanding I read about that uh, Quantum Machines had signed with uh, three uh, prominent Korean research and investment organizations. Uh, Korean Research Institute of Standards and Science, uh, Korea Quantum Computing Industry Leaders Alliance, and Orientom. Can you tell our listeners more about uh, you know, what that work is going to entail and how that expands your uh, global sort of collaboration capabilities or go-to-market capabilities? Yeah, um, definitely. This is very exciting. I think this is so. One of the nice things of being uh, of having you know being a company that sell sell really the infrastructure equipment, the infrastructure that you need in order to build quantum computers and also quantum centers is that we get to really have a very wide kind of international view. We have now uh, uh, customers in more than 20 countries around the world. So we kind of see what's going on everywhere um, and see, see it very intimately because we work with the customers and we know what's happening in their labs and, and what, what are their needs and, and what are their plans. And um, in particular, in these um, these national initiatives, national projects, um, national centers, and um, centers like Chris, for example, in Korea, this is uh, it's amazing to see what's happening and what kind of resources people put on on quantum computing, and um, some of the projects are extremely ambitious, and uh, and it's a, it's first of all an honor to be able to support some of these projects. And it's very helpful um, for us that uh, these national initiatives are choosing us to 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 go with them, because from there we we have a lot of access to a lot of others other labs in the in the um, in, in in those countries and um, um, and we get we get great exposure. And besides, it's just about getting these projects to work because it's not trivial that that um, you know building large scale quantum computers. It's very hard, and now everybody's trying to do it. And um, if they need our help, we are there to support them. I want to ask you about uh, this collaboration with NVIDIA. Very exciting. In March, uh, you announced this uh, first-of-a-kind architecture for high-performance and low-latency quantum classical computing. Uh, the idea being it's you're going to create the first purpose-built infrastructure for industrial-scale quantum-accelerated supercomputers. Yet another fascinating area. So... What's the status of this collaboration, can, and how is this uh, quantum classical solution being deployed? Yeah, this is actually a, um, a bit related to your previous question because, again, so we our mission is to is to is to accelerate the realization of, of useful quantum computers, and for that, we 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 want to provide technology that makes it easier, makes it more seamless, and, and makes it faster to bring bring this quantum revolution uh, to life. And the and the the control we identified early on the control system as as the as as, as a key piece for that you know um, uh, because it's really the infrastructure of your lab and and 
you know the 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 heart of the the control system is how do you integrate quantum and classical okay this pulse processor that i mentioned is really is you know is is integrating quantum operations it's generating and orchestrating the quantum operations but it's also performing classical operations yeah. and this integration of quantum and classical into the heart of the control system was the thing that we pioneered when we started quantum machines but this is not enough because the pulse processor has limited uh, processing power and we need now to integrate with accelerators with much more processing power like a gpu okay and so when we we kind of about two years ago a little bit more than two years ago we started to look into okay what do we do how do we start integrating to heavier classical computing resources like like hpc resources gpus and um and a little over a year ago we 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 met with the nvidia quantum team and there was kind of a match right away in this kind of the same sharing the vision that we want to provide again those same the same customers the the national projects the big quantum computing companies the, the full stack quantum computing companies uh the quantum computing centers out there hpc centers that want to integrate quantum computers we want to provide them with this uh, fundamental uh, infrastructure that that uh, that integrates quantum and classical um, tightly, and so we kind of set for ourselves to to do that, and we came up with uh, an, a product called DJX Quantum, which we're developing together with Nvidia, which is really to integrate the control system with very low latency interface to to the Nvidia Gracehopper platform. Yeah, and what what's the status? Of that? Is it un, it's underway? Will it? Is there a target uh, go live date, or are you is it, you're still iterating? Yes. That's fascinating. Yes, we're targeting um, beginning of next year um, to have the first kind of uh, alpha demonstrations um, of this, and um, we're already talking to some very early kind of adopters um, to to adopt this this product. And we think that it's going to be very important, especially, by the way, for quantum error correction. Because once you want to start doing quantum error correction at scale, you need to do the error decoding in a processor with enough enough processing power for this, like the NVIDIA GPU. Right. So alerting our listeners, be on the lookout early next year for this very exciting collaboration. Wow. Yeah. I want you to do a topic that's near and dear to my heart, which is workforce. So I want to get your take from where you sit at the top of this company on the challenges facing a company like Quantum Machines and finding talent. How do you go about recruiting? Uh, do you have affiliations with the universities? I'm sure you still have a strong relationship with the Weizmann Institute. And maybe your take on roles in specific disciplines that might be harder to fill than others. Um, I think, first of all, yes, this is, of course, workforce is, is key. At Quantum Machines, we have kind of... Um, it's a very interesting mix of physicists and engineers, and uh, the, you know the clash of physicists and engineers is, is very is, is amazing. It's it's very interesting. I didn't know that there's such big differences when I when we started. Um, I, I didn't know that uh, you that physicists are actually so unrigorous in their uh, in their approach. But uh, <laughs> in any in any case. Um, the, um, I think, yeah, with physicists, for us at least, it's a little bit easier because we are really coming from this community. As you mentioned, uh, we came from the Weizmann Institute, but we, you know, we know we, we are very much in the community. So 
in Israel we have people from many people from Weizmann, many people from the from the Hebrew University, the Technion. Yeah. Um, but also, but also we have people uh, from abroad, from print, alumni of Princeton and 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 uh, in Germany from from Max Planck. And now with QDev, it's very similar because when we acquired Q, they're very similar in, in the sense that you know they have a lot of PhD physicists that that uh, came from quantum computing groups and are very kind of coming from the community. So. Yeah. So, um, so it's it's relatively easier for us, and and of course, yes, we are we are also putting um, efforts on that. We have interns interns from from universities and so on. With engineers, this is you know this is more interesting, I think, because you know Israel has the you know crazy quality uh, of of engineers. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, really yeah. amazing. However, I think that in quantum computing, the interesting thing is that we need kind of new new type of a mix between physicists and engineers. So this kind of clash that I mentioned is also very important for the field because we need to we need to build this workforce where you really get people that understand deeply the quantum computing requirements and what are we trying to do here, but also bring the background of real engineering. Uh, in this in that engineering from the industry so and you, so you don't have that many people that have years of experience in both and that's the hardest thing what we do it at quantum machines for that is that we 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 try to create it here uh, we, we really feel that this is kind of one of the things that that happens is that people develop this new kind of uh, expertise by the engineers talking to the physicists and vice versa and are there specific skills that you you need to advance the business model? I mean, where are there gaps, you know, more broadly even than just scientists, uh, marketing, PR, comms, UX design, biz dev. I mean, first of all, you can never uh, you can never have too many software engineers, right? <laughs> okay, duly noted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's software, you can always have something more to do. It's it's yeah, quite, um, yeah. Um, other than that, I think yeah, I think marketing is also is also very challenging in quantum computing, especially in our field because we're selling also to physics. So we're we're not we're not selling to the end users. We're selling to the to the companies that are developing quantum computers. So we need to speak in the language of quantum computing, in the deep technical language of quantum computing, and marketing is not always that easy um, when you try to do that. So, Jonathan, so I'd like to end the my podcast by giving my guest a chance to wax philosophic, if you will. And by that, I mean, you know, ask for your vision of where you think quantum computing might be in, oh, five, seven, ten years. And then maybe what kind of impact you think it's going to have more broadly on how we live and work. What's your take? Um, <laughs> take your time. <laughs> I what do you think? think? In 15 years, you said? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Like what our kids and grandkids. What my hopes are. My hopes is that I think that quantum computing will have a less of a, a you know, um, a crazy effect on our day-to-day life. Um, for example, compared to artificial intelligence, yeah, because like uh, you know that you're going to find in almost everything, you know. So it's it's just going to affect how you do day-to-day things. With quantum computing, I think that the way I hope at least that it will affect our lives is that it's going to make some of the 
very difficult problems that we cannot solve today easier to solve, whether it's in designing new drugs or new materials that can do that can do good to humankind. So if if we can you know if we can create energy more efficiently or if we can create a cut. Uh, catalysators for uh, for agriculture or or, or drugs um, that's kind of sometimes it's harder to feel on a day to day how does it feel you know it does it change the way I lived 10 years ago maybe no no but but does it really affect did it affect humankind do, do people live longer do people have you know uh, uh, cheaper energy that that I think I, I I want to at least I want to believe that this is how it's going to affect our lives yeah great. Well, Yonatan, thank you for sharing that perspective. I really enjoyed our conversation and delighted that you could join me today. Thank you so much, uh, Christopher. Uh, and thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again, Yonatan, for joining me today. And thanks to all of you for listening. Please share this podcast on your social media channels to increase the impact of my conversation with Yonatan. Listen to my other podcast episodes if you haven't already. And please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. This has been a production of Inside Quantum Technology. You've been listening to the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology. For more information on this episode or other topics relating to quantum technology, visit InsideQuantumTechnology.com.